Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. What earlier? Did you tell me Richard Roundtree died this morning? Yeah, it just happened too. It was just announced. Come on! Just announced. I saw it. Uh, no, when I was. What are the screen. odds of that? Isn't that weird? Isn't it? It's almost like God wanted you to play this song. God speaks to me in mysterious ways. Yes, you, you know, and Eric Adams. You know that. I am a mayor that God <laughs> Shut wanted. Up. We've got problems, but God chose me. It's my friend. He's on his way here. Be quiet. Uh, uh, and friends of everybody, like Jesus Christ, was the friends. A couple of all. texts I want to read right here. One of these is um, Lou Gelomino. He's the lawyer on Staten Island. Lou's a great guy. He said, Sid, you're the freaking best you really are. I'm not sure why he said that, but he did. Pat Russo, my good buddy Pat Russo, the NYPD boxing team. Thanks, WABC, for Thank the Blue Day. Cops fighting for kids, and he wants to send his regards to Ray Kelly. And uh, my morning text from Judge Grasso, who's starting to become like Dr. Mark Siegel. So. <laughs> okay, let's no. Which side is that on? That is the <laughs> side that the they, side. Just, they just don't stop texting. I just, <laughs> I mean, how many times do I have to say to people, just stop texting me? I'll get to you, I promise. I need your 10 games. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got November 8th against San Antonio, so that's all that Gabe wants. He's got to see Webb and Yama. And, of course, talking about those 10 games, the Knickerbockers open up their schedule tonight, hosting the Boston Celtics. The 2023 season is here. So my friend Steve Sharippa and Corey Zelnick and all the guys very excited. The Nets, who nobody cares about, they open their season tonight in Brooklyn as well at that awful Barclays Center hosting Cleveland. That's a horrible place. It is. It is oh. no good. It's and the not... client, the clientele there is like, yeah. it's the bar in Star Wars, it's basically. Not, it's not done well in there They're either. not walking in with jackets and ties like Madison Square Garden. So, yeah. so some really bad-looking sweatsuits. And... You need some badges there. <laughs> yeah, I need Ray Kelly there. <laughs> anyway, you guys know how I feel. I also love Bernie Carrick. He was a great police commissioner. but And it was 9-11, and he was part of that team with Giuliani. But it was a short stay for Bernie. So it's not fair to compare him to a guy like Ray who did it twice and for a long period of time. So in my opinion, and I'm leaving Bill Bratton out of this, stop it. Ray Kelly is the best police commissioner in the history of this city. And I look up to a guy like Ray. I really do. And every cop I speak to that's been around in this city for a long time feels the same way. All of them. There's never enough superlatives to use to describe the man and the cop that Ray Kelly was and is. 
So on the Back to Blue Day, the uh, the girl said, Lottie here came to me, said the guest booker. And she said, who do you want? And I said, I don't care. Just get me Kelly. I also wanted Dennis Franz because he showed his naked ass in the, in the uh, TV show NYPD Blue. I never forgot that scene. <laughs> it's up on your wall. <laughs> yeah. And I thought he was a great TV cop, him and David Caruso. But I said, just get me Ray Kelly. And here he is, the best ever. Ray Kelly, how are you, pal? Hey, I'm fine, but thank you so much for those uh, kind remarks. It's true. Uh, I, and, I and It's not it. just me. I'm just a dopey radio guy. But so many guys that put their lives on the line for you have said to me, I swear to you, Ray, there's no reason for me to butter you up. They've said to me, I would do it for Ray. I would do it again. And a lot of these police commissioners don't get that type of love today. So you tell me, well, what do you think it was? Why do you think, above and beyond Sid Rosenberg, all these cops to this day love and revere you? What was it? What was your your managerial style like that that was the case? Uh, that Well, I always say that I learned just about everything I knew about leadership from the Marine Corps. I was in the Marine Corps, active duty, went to Vietnam. I was in for 30 years in the uh, in the reserves, and um, they do a great job of teaching you, embedding those leadership principles in you. And uh, you know, I, I I hope that a lot of things I did were reflective of uh, my Marine Corps training because it was great training. You know, I'm embarrassed because of all the nice things I say about you and how often you come on this show, which I appreciate. I never knew that. I knew your son Greg was a hero and served our country very, very proudly. And clearly he got that from you, so the apple didn't fall far from the tree. But I had no idea both of you guys served this country. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I had three older brothers who were in the Marine Corps, so I had no choice. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to go in. You had to go in. So um, were you uh, in, in a fighting place at some point? or? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, you were? Where were you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was in the way Fubai. I was in uh, the I Corps, which is where the Marine Corps was uh, in Vietnam. I was there in 1966, and it was uh, a great experience. War is terrible. War is hell, as they all say. But if you live through it, you you can take away a lot of lessons. And I think uh, I did that, uh, and and it was all in all a a benefit uh, to me and maybe my leadership style. I don't know. Well, no, it probably is. And before we get to your leadership style here in New York, you know, this war in Israel rages on. I know, Ray, you listen to me every day, and I'm humbled by that. And you know, I'm angry, and I'm pissed, and I'm upset, and I'm a range of emotions every morning. And uh, as the Israelis get set now for days, days, to start their ground incursion, waiting on Joe Biden to give them permission, which is ridiculous. But as they, set, uh, as they get set to go in, as a Marine, you know how difficult war is. Could you imagine traveling through 300 miles of tunnel, which is about two inches wide. And in those tunnels, explosives and snipers and booby traps, all in an attempt to save 22 people when 1,500 people died. I mean, that's got to be, if you're a kid right now waiting to go in there, that's got to be terrifying, no? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the most difficult environments, of course, to have to uh, conduct an operation in. Uh, I just think about those those hostages. It actually kind of makes me sick. Think about potentially what's being done to them. You saw that woman yesterday who they freed. She's 80 years old. She was beaten by them. 
So, well, you know, these are depraved. They're not even humans. They're just animals. To do that to fellow fellow human beings, it's just not a question of killing him. It's torture. No, it's worse. And in fact, I played a dead. cut yesterday, Ray, from an IDF guy who was on the ground on October the 7th, and he said he came upon a bomb shelter and the Hamas animals were there. This is so unbelievable. I've got a 19-year-old daughter, as you know, Ray, and she's beautiful. My daughter, Ava, in college now in Europe. These animals actually went into the bomb shelter, handpicked the pretty girls. They took their pretty girl out, and they said, you for rape. And when they were done picking out the pretty girls who they're raping continuously day in and day out, the rest of the people, they threw two grenades in there and killed them all. But these young girls, they took them back. And there's about, I don't know exactly how many, but I saw the pictures of the hostages there's a bunch of 18 to 30-year-old girls that are very, very attractive. And these girls are somewhere probably naked right now in a tunnel somewhere. Go through how many guys a day? I don't know. And we don't want we want a ceasefire? People in this country want a ceasefire? What am I missing, Ray? Tell me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I did an uh, anti-Semitism survey for Ron Lauder a couple of years ago. And one of the things that shocked me is when I looked at college campuses, I had no idea how entrenched, how embedded the, the supporters of Hamas were. They get money from overseas. All I do is harass Jewish students, harass Jewish events on, on campus. But it's widespread. It's over 100 major campuses in the United States that are, that are plagued uh, by these people. So how can anybody support what has been going on there? It's just it's, it's incredible. And yet we are living amongst them. I mean, as you said, the the, the disorders the other day, five, six thousand people in the streets of, of Bay Ridge, they're raucous. Look what they're saying and, and, and shouting and doing to the to the cops. I mean, there's no respect for you know, for the police anymore. And it, it is it is just <laughs> the world is upside down and, and unfortunately. But I uh uh, yes, I, I feel for the IDF troops that are going to have to uh, go in there. And uh, may, maybe this delay is a good thing. Maybe they're getting their, you know, the right equipment in place. Uh, they're, they're making the right plans. Maybe they're better than just rushing uh, right in there. But you're, you're probably right that the Biden administration is, is, yeah. is playing a role in holding them yeah, up. Yeah, I'm sure. But, but you're right. There's, a, there's an intelligence seek also that's important, I think, that the Israelis, the longer they wait, are basically admitting how rigorous and difficult and deadly this incursion is going to be. And you could appreciate that, Ray, because it's not just a bunch of guys and girls wearing blue suits and carrying guns walking around the city. You guys uh, actually rely on a whole bunch of intelligence, whether it is a rally coming to Brooklyn on a Saturday night or a possible terrorist coming in through a border or a terrorist attack like you guys thwarted not that long ago in that van in Times Square. If anybody can appreciate intelligence, it's the New York Police uh, Police Department commissioner, right? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of help. Uh, David Cohn was a 35-year veteran. Of the CIA, I was able to bring him into the department. He did a terrific job. We had uh, intelligence experts from the DEA, FBI, DIA, all elected agencies. We had retired and active duty personnel working with the NYPD, and they did a terrific job. And we had no terrorist events, even though we had 16 plots under the Bloomberg administration, no successful terrorist events. So it's something that uh, we're proud of, but you got to keep your eye on the ball. 
every day. You need a 360-degree uh, perimeter. We had put people overseas as listing posts. That was very, very helpful. And um, it's something that, again, has to be a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week uh, job. New York, let's face it, it's a target. A lot of people see it as the capital of the of the world. You have uh, 10 million people a day, a work day in, in, in the city. Uh, you've got the UN, you've got the financial capital of the world still. So New York has to be aware, has to be vigilant, has to be on guard all the time. Uh, you can't take your pack off. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. So if you were running this department today, you would have uh, these things to worry about. Illegals, migrants, asylum seekers, call them what you want. Uh, I realize the overwhelming majority are not bad people. I get it. But all you need is a few bad apples, and we've seen that already. Seen some of these guys rape women in Buffalo, in Philadelphia. So you got that crisis, right? Then you've got just the everyday New Yorkers that are committing horrendous crimes every day on the subways, in the streets, home invasions, breaking into cars. You got that. Now you have the real possibility, Ray, that Hamas and ISIS and all these folks have snuck in over the last three years as well. I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't want Eddie Caban's job today, not for a million dollars. But you probably would, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I, you know, he's a good man. Uh, we got to give him some time. But it is a very complex environment that uh, he, he's now working in. And, uh, you know, the department is short of people. Uh, they're still hemorrhaging cops. They're still leaving in greater numbers than they could be hired. Well, why, are the, so why, why is that the case, Ray? Why, why are the cops leaving? Because when I speak to my friends in the administration, and even though I, I've criticized Eric, a lot, a lot, and I disagree with a bunch of his philosophies. I still consider the mayor a friend, but every time I talk to them about the cops, they tell me these guys are thrilled to death and that <laughs> the numbers are exaggerated and folks uh, can't wait to be cops in New York City, and you laugh. So tell me why they're leaving. Uh, this is not what they signed up for. They After the George Floyd incident, City Council went haywire, put in all sorts of restrictions, took away qualified immunity as a defense for the police. If you stop somebody, you now have to tell them that they don't have to cooperate. You know, silly, silly things like that. The Civilian Complaint Review Board has been uh, given sort of unfettered access. You don't need a complainant. You don't need a complaint. Uh, they kind of just <laughs> roam through the field looking for for violations. It's just not the environment that they that it, they thought it was going to be. And uh, they're, they're leaving, and a lot of them are leaving without any sort of retirement benefit. You know, there's a vested interest uh, capability in the, in the police department that after a certain number of years you can get a pension. No, many of them are leaving without any of that. They're going to more friendly climes, uh, other police departments, and uh, they're just leaving the, the profession. It is not just 
a New York City problem, though, I must, I must say. It is a national problem. It's certainly in big cities. Well, well hold on. You, you say it's a national problem, okay? And here's my right. prediction. You're either going to correct me or you're going to say, he said you're right. I'm going to go with this, Ray. It's a Democrat problem because I have a feeling if I look at the cities run by the blue cities, run by Democrat mayors, even Democrat governors, New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis. I look at these cities. My guess is the crime is out of control. They treat the cops the worst in the country, and the cops are leaving the force. I don't think that's going to be the case in Florida or Texas, but I may be wrong. So is it a Democrat cop problem or a national cop problem? It certainly looks that way. The major cities, that's where they're leading. So I nailed it. And I nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You know, even in the red states, there are blue cities where cops are. Cops are leaving in in large numbers. They just don't want to be subjected to this woke uh, mentality that has uh, sort of crept into, or not even crept in, it's there as far as policing is concerned uh, in these in these big cities. They've, they've gone to, as you said, they're not leaving in in Florida and uh, well, Texas and Austin. Austin, Texas, is a very uh, liberal city, yes. and about yeah. half of their police department has yeah. left. Yes, that's true. And, and they can't hire a replacement. Nope. All those so, Dallas yeah. Cowboy players live there, and it's a very liberal city. I'm being honest. And those cops yeah. are running like they are here in New York. So when you look back, though, Ray, at your stay, and again, you did it twice, and uh, you had tremendous success, all the policies, whatever they were, broken windows or stop and frisk, whatever it was, didn't matter. When you look back at your success and the time you were a commissioner, what is your fondest memory? What are you most proud of as being, as I believe, widely regarded as the best ever? Well, okay, again, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, under the Bloomberg administration, we started out, we, first of all, we had 5,000 fewer police officers in a very short time than uh, Mayor Giuliani had because uh, Mayor Bloomberg took that money and put it into education. So 5,000 police, about 15% reduction in the department rapidly. But we had three Cs. We had uh, uh, crime control, counterterrorism, and community uh, affairs. Uh, I think we, we like to think we succeeded in uh, all three of those areas. We had a 40% reduction in, in, in violent crime. We had a counterterrorism program, I think, second to none, and we didn't have any successful terrorist attacks during those uh, 12 years. And we had a, uh, uh, I think, you know, pretty positive community relations, all things considered. Uh, I'm not bragging, but I did have a 75% approval rating when I when I left the office. Oh. And a 63% with African-Americans. So, wow. uh, you know, I that's, that's the type of thing that I'm, uh, I'm proud of. And, uh, sure. I, I think I had a great support, great help from, from so many people to get that job done. All right, so on the way out, Ray, the, uh, the cops love me. They listen to me every day. Right now, all over these boroughs in Long Island, all over New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, heck, even in Florida, uh, these guys are listening. And uh, a lot of them are young. They didn't know Ray Kelly as a police commissioner. They know your name, just like you know the name Emmett Smith or Babe Ruth. But they didn't know you as police commissioner. So for these young cats driving around right now, men and women putting their lives on the line every single day, what is Ray Kelly's message to them? Hang in there. 
uh, <laughs> this too uh, will change. Uh, I was in the department when uh, certainly morale was, was very low as a police officer. and I was in 25 different uh, commands. It's still a great institution. It, you can still do a lot of good. Only I, I would say now it's more difficult than this time and certainly in the last three years to be a police officer than ever before, certainly in my memory. But, uh, you know, the job is still, uh, it can still be exciting and still be uh, rewarding. And, uh, you know, May has come, May has go. And uh, I would just say, stay the course. It's, uh, it's I, to me, I love it. I love every minute of it. And uh, I do it all over again. Uh, and I, I, I just, I, it was not a job. It was, uh, it was like being retired at full pay, as I say. Yep. So I, 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 uh, I would say, hey, again, these, these situations that we have here, which I, I'm certainly not a supporter of, uh, of the mayor, but you know, we'll have a new mayor. It may not be soon, but it, it, it'll happen. Time, time can go fast. So hang in there. Hang in there. Those are three great words. Hey, Ray, I love you. You know how much I love you. And, and when you say that you love your job, you're sincere about it. I've seen you speak publicly, and you can tell. You can just, you can just tell when somebody's kind of shooting out the party line and somebody means it. You mean it, and you're a great man. Thank you for hopping on today, and congratulations on a great career on Ramsey Mazda's Back the Blue. Thank you, pal. Thanks so much, Sid. Come on, man. You're the best. Ray Kelly right there and sitting friends in the morning.